Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Good morning. It's 8:30. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out how Hattiesburg is doing now, just days after a devastating tornado killed four and left dozens injured. The lights went out, the man said, take cover. After that, the lights flicked off like three times the last time it went off. All I could hear was like sirens. I'm like, baby, we need to get out of here, you know. And I made it out my room door just in time and it came through. Then the leader of House Democrats says he's encouraged by what he calls more open communication this legislative session. And after StoryCorps, find out what's playing this year at Jewish Cinema Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hattiesburg area is in recovery mode this morning following a deadly weekend tornado. Governor Phil Bryant is asking for a federal disaster declaration which would allow state and local leaders access to federal money. The tornado touched three South Mississippi counties in the early morning hours of last Saturday. Hattiesburg Mayor Johnny Dupree tells MPB's Desiree Frazier about the damage in his community. We have uh, 999 structures that were affected. Uh, 401 were uh, affected. Uh, we had uh, minor uh, affected with 187, a major 211, destroyed 200 uh, for a total of 999. That's preliminary. Uh, we have four deaths associated with uh, with this tornado. Uh, and our heart really goes out to those families uh, who lost loved ones. Well, one of the family members uh, the uh, the young man who's 20 years old actually works for the city of Hattiesburg. His grandfather works for the city of Hattiesburg. So our hearts really go out to, to the families. The deaths that occurred, were they in one particular area or were they spread out? My understanding that there were uh, two in one area and the other two in different areas. What has it been like? This storm hit what time on uh, Saturday? It was around 4 a.m. in the morning uh, when, it, when it actually hit. Uh, the sirens alarmed, as they normally do, and many said that um, one of the reasons that they're still alive is because they heard the sirens and they got up and had plenty of time, had plenty of, plenty of time, had time to get to a safe room, had time to get into the tub, had time to wake their families. Have you been in contact with folks in Petal? Yes, uh, because we're just right, right across uh, the river, but we actually have a meeting uh, uh, with with them through the whole process. We meet not only with Pella, but also with Forest County because we don't want to duplicate resources and we work together on trying to alleviate things. And we're all asking for the same thing, so we try to coordinate all of our efforts. At this point, what is your primary concern? Is it trying to get disaster relief or...? Number one is to make sure that we make the area safe. I mean, it's got to be safe for people to return. And that means clearing the streets, clearing the right-of-ways, getting those houses down that, or the structures uh, down that, uh, that need to come down. 
uh, finding temporary housing for people who have been totally uh, uh, left without homes. Uh, those who have uh, insurance and go, is going through the process with the insurance agencies and, and that. Uh, my, my concern is to make sure those who don't have insurance and who are renters, how can we get them some normalcy back into their lives? So we're trying to do that. We're also lobbying to try and get a federal declaration. I mean, that that's something that's really needed because in order to do a lot of what we need to do, we need to have that federal declaration so that we can be reimbursed for the things that we're doing because, you know, there's no money in coffers for, for storms. Uh, and so uh, if the feds, if the federal government would help us, that makes the process a whole lot easier. What would you say then to folks whose hearts go out to what is happening? How can they be of assistance? Well, you know, prayer always helps, uh, you know, um, Pray that we do the right thing, that we um, uh, that we are uh, moving in the right direction, that people with good hearts and uh, and good pocketbooks uh, will come to our aid, uh, and that we can do this in an orderly fashion. You know, people have been great. People have been calling, coming in, helping, chainsaws. It can be almost intimidating, though, when you have so many people with good hearts to come in all at one time. And so we're asking people that let's be more efficient with this. Uh, we're, we're working through the volunteer center. Uh, that's right now to the United Way, and there's another uh, group that's going to come in, uh, Volunteer Mississippi and Volunteer Hattiesburg. And we're trying to be more strategic with asking people when they want to come in and help. Hattiesburg Mayor Johnny Dupree. Delmetric Thompson lives on Webster Street in Hattiesburg. Not only did the tornado strike her home, but adding insult to injury, she says her home was robbed and vandalized in the aftermath. She spoke to our Desiree Frazier. Your house, is there anything salvageable? <sighs> no, because after the uh, thing, after the storm, people came back in. So. so your home was vandalized after the storm? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Do you know, have any idea what they took? I was able to get my TVs out, and we took some furniture out, and I got that right there on the truck right there, so got that much. Were you sleeping when the storm hit? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I had just got waking up um, by the news and the sirens going off on my phone. The warning on my phone woke, uh, woke us up. And what did you do? <laughs> At first, I didn't take it too much serious until... Uh, the lights went out. The man said, take cover or whatever. Hattiesburg, take cover right now. And then, like, after that, the lights flicked off, like, three times. The last time it went off, all I could hear From was, the like, Capitol steps to your front like, door. Baby, we need to get out of here, you know. And I made it out my room door just in time, and it came through. And where were you? Where'd you go? I ended up in the kitchen part of the house, um, barricade between the kitchen and another room back there. Did you get on the floor? Yes. Yes, we made it to the floor of the back side of the house. How are you holding up? By the grace of God, that's all I can say. By the grace of God, I I mean, with the support of friends and family, just by the grace of God. Has anyone talked to you about helping you with permanent housing? I spoke to people. Um, they uh, sent us to the multi-purpose, but I didn't want to go there. I'd rather stay with family, the people that I did know. We, I had a couple people, then I had the Mima people come in and get my information and my phone number and told me what they're going to see, what they could do from this day forward. So it's just been people coming day by day to try to help as much as they can. Delmetric Thompson with MPB's Desiree Frazier. We also heard from Hattiesburg Mayor Johnny Dupree. The leader of Mississippi's House Democrat says there's much work to be done, but find out why he's encouraged about this legislative session. That's next. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Nina Totenberg. Are you someone who talks about how great public radio is, but you're still not a donor? Rather than wait for the next pledge drive, you can support the programs you love by donating that unwanted vehicle. Donate it today. It could be worth hundreds of dollars to this station, and you could get a tax deduction. And thank you. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. House Minority Leader David Barrios says with the Edbuild analysis of education funding, roads and bridges in need of repair, and state coffers drying up, there's much to work, there's much work to be done this legislative session. But the Bay St. Louis Democrat says the relationship between Democrats and Republicans is much better this year. Barrios made the comments at the monthly press luncheon sponsored by the Stennis Institute, where he spoke with MPB's Mark Rigsby. Barrios started by talking about the education fund recommendations of EdBuild. We don't know enough about the recommendations of EdBuild at this point, and so what I'm advocating, what you heard me say, is that I think it'd be appropriate to stop the train right now before it gets out of the station and on the tracks because we don't know enough. Uh, we don't know enough about the impact that it's going to have per, on district per district. We don't know enough about the impact that it's going to have on local taxes. So, I mean, that alone, to me, says let's stop, let's catch our breath, Let's have some hearings on this. Uh, let's don't rush through something like a dummy bill th- in this session. Uh, it, this is the largest part of our budget every year. So let's take our time with this. State revenues are down. There's all, all this talk right now about trying to find new streams of revenue. A state lottery is one of them. You support that. Why? Well, I've supported a state lottery for the same reason that the majority of Mississippians supported it. We passed this years ago by referendum, and for whatever reason, the legislature has just steadfastly refused to enact it. Um, we got an opportunity to vote on it a couple of times last year. I voted yes both times, and I'll vote yes again. I'm happy to see that the governor has now decided that uh, it's okay to talk about it, and he's going to support it, so maybe we will get it done this year. But look, the state is starved for revenue period. Due to large corporate tax cuts, we don't have enough money to uh, provide the services that we're required to provide as a state. We're cutting budgets. We have to find revenue. Everyone wants to do something about fixing roads and bridges in our state, but it sounds like from what I'm hearing at the Capitol that no one really wants to uh, get those votes together to do something about it, to to pass a bill this session. What is it going to take to get this done? Well, I'm, I don't agree that no one wants to try to get the votes together. I want to try to get the votes together. Members of the Democratic Caucus in the House of Representatives and the Senate want to get the votes together. It's the Republican leadership at this point that is unable to get a majority of their own supermajority to vote for infrastructure spending. So uh, we have asked the Speaker, to reach across the aisle and talk to Democratic members of the House and let's come up with a majority so that we can do something. And I'm hopeful that they will come to us with some sort of legislation that we can have a bipartisan uh, group of, of House members support and that we will be able to get something done. But, but look, everybody should understand that is up to the Speaker. That is up to the Lieutenant Governor. They have to make that, that ball start rolling. Let's talk about the tone of the session last year we had a lot of uh, tension between republicans and democrats you have indicated that republicans are now reaching out to democrats and reaching out to you personally to to try to find some common ground can you tell us about that 
Well, uh, we did have a problem last year, you know, with just pure partisanship and people weren't being very nice to one another. Uh, and, you know, Democrats were for the first time ever in a super minority. Uh, and all we ask is that the speaker uh, keep open the lines of communication, include us on things like infrastructure spending, which, you know, to do big things like that in the state of Mississippi, you have to reach across the aisle sometimes. So uh, this year, I believe they've turned over a new leaf. Um, we have communicated very openly, and, and I'm very optimistic that we're going to have a much easier session because of it. So I, so I give credit to the Speaker and to his staff uh, for, for being you know, much more inclusive this session, much kinder. House Minority Leader David Barria with our Mark Rigsby. Barria was the featured speaker at this month's Dennis Institute Press Luncheon. Find out what's playing this year at Jewish Cinema Mississippi. That's coming up after StoryCorps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Andrew and Ceci Whitehurst almost missed their chance at love. They went to high school together, but moved off and each was married to somebody else. Well, life happened as it often does. The pair found themselves at a high school reunion, each was divorced by then, and their relationship began. During this visit to the StoryCorps mobile tour, Andrew and Ceci talk about learning lessons from each other and from their past experiences. Well, we've known each other since Benjamin Franklin High School, 1977. That's when I transferred there from another school in New Orleans. I met Ceci that year, and it may have been in the next year that she let me be in her um, Mardi Gras parade, the crew of dead rock and rollers, and I got to be Archie and <laughs> wear the Archie tag. So that's sort of when I got to know Ceci, probably when we were 17 years old. So we were both married to other people. She got married in 1985. I got married in 1989. Two divorces happened sadly and we um got together at a at a reunion our class reunion we were living in different cities in mississippi we were both in mississippi we had a long courtship started with emails and that kind of thing and then meeting for lunch things developed and then we yeah we had a pretty long courtship about four years almost we both had kids you know we had to get them out of high school (laughs) work on that and then uh and then we decided to tie the knot. But my, my memory of Andrew in high school was he was very nice, of course. We did have a little bit of different circle of friends, but I, I remember one time it flooded at the high school. And Andrew used to carve ducks. And he had, I think he had a carved duck decoy in his locker, and it was flooded at the high school. And he went and got his duck out of the locker and let it float in the um, water. And then I think we went in together to the biology lab to get some of the pickled frogs, to put them on the... Um, Lily pad. We made a diorama. Yeah. but And we both, you know, we wrote in each other's yearbooks. <laughs> we looked back at that. We feel very kind of blessed and lucky to have found each other and kind of a second chance at marriage and happiness. And we are very happily married. And so I thought it might be nice for us to share what each one of us thinks is um, kind of the um, necessary or at least a key to a happy, successful marriage. So I'll let Andrew start. I think kindness is the most important thing, overarching, to live with somebody, learn about them, develop with them. Kindness, yeah, I think it's the most important thing. 
It's very important. And and then I think what one thing we're I think we're both good at is letting little things go. Not sweating the small stuff and everybody's gonna have their quirks and keeping perspective on what's important. You know, you love each other and you're human, so you're not gonna be perfect. Neither one of us are perfect. Again, it is sort of a kindness. You you let the little things go and you work at things and being honest. But no relationship is totally easy. So I think people that are in new relationships or, or newlyweds, even if they're newlyweds like we were in our 40s, it's still just very important to know that you're going to work on it and every day is not going to be a fairy tale, but it's worth the work for it to um, have that relationship. I wouldn't trade Andrew for anything, so <laughs> I'm glad we're together. One of the things I loved so much about you right away was that you were you're just very genuine I think it's kind of that being kind of salt of the earth, but I think part of that is that connection to the earth because you are not in any way someone that puts on airs or you don't, you know, you don't have a big ego. You're not pretentious in any way. I think that was one thing that I found so appealing was that you were just, you just were what you were. You didn't try to pretend like you were something you weren't. We got together later in life. I think a lot of the difficult parts of marriage were kind of wrung out of both of us by the time we got to right the child to be rearing. 40 we, years we talked old. about we, that we kind of made it through that tough we made it through some hard times and yeah you know we we kind of stand on the shoulders of those years that we were in other marriages it's not necessarily that uh, the mistakes or the, yeah. <laughs> the you do learn you learn years. from your other other relationships and he's he's patient with me i think i can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes because i you know i do go in many different directions sometimes. How does she do it? And then my children, my my ex-stepdaughter, he's had lots of, you know, company in the house. Um, the years we've been married, more than half of them have involved other people living with us and babies. And he, he, he doesn't complain at all about it. He just takes it all in stride. And, and I just love him for all those things. I think the way I described it was my job is to give Sessie room to be Sessie. <laughs> That's my job. And I appreciate it. <laughs> Makes my life a little easier. I don't have to sweat being myself. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Tonight, the 15th year of Jewish Cinema Mississippi opens. The film festival has come a long way, says Selection Committee Chair Peter Zoplatol. He joins us to talk about this year's slate of films and the festival's history. This is the 15th year of the Jewish Cinema Mississippi. Uh, it started, well, 15 years ago, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of very quiet event because it was happening at places like New Stage or uh, Millsaps College in one of the classrooms. But now I guess we have grown up and uh, we are at the Malco Grand View at Madison Cinema. A real theater. A real, a real theater with yes. real seats and popcorn. <laughs> 
And drinks. <laughs> and drinks, yeah. Okay. Uh, you are the selection committee chairman, so, so tell us about the selection process for films. There is a big group of people who have signed up, but it boiled down to about a group of 10, 12 people who are really, really spending time watching the movies. And uh, every movie that we are presenting has been seen at least twice by everybody uh, who is still very active. So you can be sure that these movies are not boring. So we're talking Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. Five films altogether? Correct. And uh, on a weekday there at 7 o'clock at Malco, on Sunday, uh, the movie is at 2 o'clock. Do all of the movies have to speak to the Jewish experience or culture or some aspect of Judaism? In some way, but they are not uh, really religion-oriented. Uh, they are more or less about uh, Jewish experiences. For example, the uh, hijacking uh, Sabina hijacking my version uh, is about the experience that is uh, exp something that is experienced by more than just Jewish people. So uh, it's more open. It's quite an interesting movie. The other movies uh, that we have scheduled is uh, Remember by uh, that was directed by Atom Egoyan who happens to be, well, he's a Canadian citizen, but he is of Armenian origin. Mm. His parents uh, are Armenian. So the movie deals with uh, the experiences of Holocaust and how it affected the people. The movie really has a different take than you would expect. It deals with two people in a nursing home, their relationship, and uh, one of them is on his way to find the guard from the concentration camp who was responsible for killing his family. What is so interesting in our festival, I was looking at it, that there is very little shooting. Uh, there are almost no Nazis involved. You know, it's something that people would expect. But, but yes, what they would associate uh, with. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, the last movie on the schedule, The Fanny's Journey, some uh, one of the reviewers was complaining that uh, there are no Nazis shooting. Are there any comedies among the five? We found a really, really neat movie that comes from uh, uh, Holland and... It's a very interesting little movie about a girl who wants to be a performer, singer-actress. So she applies into a performing arts school, and of course she doesn't make it. But she doesn't give up, and she doesn't tell her family. Of course, at the end, well... I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but the point is that she has not given up and uh, things she has to go through dealing with her family, her boyfriend, her teachers, 
you know, that's what really makes uh, the movie so interesting. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. 7 o'clock for all of them except for Sunday, 2 o'clock. Correct. These are full-length films? Oh, absolutely. Where can people find out the list, the ticket prices, all the good information? Well, uh, they can, easiest way really is to go to Google and Google Jewish Cinema Mississippi and that will bring you to the site uh, that is jewishcinema.com and uh, that will bring you to a place where you can order the tickets. Peter Zoplatal is the Selection Committee Chairman for Jewish Cinema Mississippi, 15th year. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Jewish Cinema Mississippi runs tonight through Sunday at the Malco Grandview Theater in Madison. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. The application deadline is March 1st. More information at education.olemiss.edu. It's Marketplace Tech for Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, in for Ben Johnson.